Spider-Man, Operation Z. Written by Jim Shooter. Adapted by Tim Maxwell. Snapping off the alarm, Peter stretches and looks around his cluttered, shabby Chelsea flat, as if getting readjusted to harsh reality, especially after pleasant dreams. Kicking the sheets off, Peter reaches back over his head, placing his fingers on the wall behind him. Sticking to the wall by his fingertips, he lifts himself out of bed and rolls upward, ending up standing in a half crouch on the wall. Effortlessly, he jumps up to land in a three-point stance on the high ceiling where, standing upright, he walks casually across the room above the clutter toward the bathroom. A little while later, Peter scarfs down his cornflakes while poring over his college science books. Glancing at the clock, he realizes he's running late and effortlessly vaults the length of the room to the phone. He calls his Aunt May. Hey, Aunt May. Ah, oh, Peter. I should have known. Well, yeah. I got. I, I call you every morning before school. How you doing, Aunt May? Were you up all night again playing ice hockey and nightclubbing until dawn? Oh, stop it, Peter. No, really. Are you, you doing okay? Don't worry about me, Peter. I'm fine. Good. Listen, I, I gotta rush out of here. Right. Peter... I am so proud of how well you're doing in school. If your Uncle Ben were still here, he would be proud as well. I know, May. Thank you. You always tell me that. All right, well, I gotta go. Love you. Love you too, Peter. As Peter heads for the door, he stops to look at a picture of himself and his Uncle Ben, taken on his 16th birthday, which sits on his dresser. Peter is holding the microscope, which Aunt May and Ben scrimped and saved to buy him. Pete shifts his gaze to the bookshelf across the room, where the microscope still sits. With a half sigh, he puts the picture back, grabs his books and an athletic-type tote bag, and leaves for class. A short time later, Peter is in a chemistry class at Empire State University. The professor is giving a lecture concerning subatomic and molecular forces. Peter, however, is unfocused on the lecture, twirling his pencil in his finger and seemingly entirely absorbed in that. Placing the pencil on his desk, he picks it up using the tip of his finger, sticking to the pencil as he does to walls. This catches the attention of the somewhat dim-witted student next to him, whose utterance of amazement causes Peter to drop the pencil and catches the professor's attention. Parker, do you have anything to contribute? Or would you rather continue to amuse yourself with pencil tricks? <laughs> Peter, oblivious to the edge on the professor's remark, was actually paying attention to the lecture, 
and makes several observations and thinks to himself. Molecular adhesion and cohesion. Adhesive forces... Hmm. Adhesive forces could possibly be enhanced by using fields generated by certain radioactive elements. Possibly living organisms under certain conditions might develop control over energy fields affecting adhesion. Huh. It's just a theory, of course. After class, Peter is walking through a busy courtyard of the university when he's approached by a pretty girl. Hey, Peter, right? Uh, yeah. Listen, a bunch of us students are going out for pizza tonight. Want to join? Uh, pizza? Uh, so- sounds good. Delightful. Uh, I-, I can't, I can't, uh, I'm having dinner at my Aunt May's house, so, yeah, thanks, though. Of course. Right, guys, I asked him. You happy now? <laughs> hey, what did I tell you? Every single night. Can you believe it? This guy, hey, maybe his aunt's a knockout. Peter Parker. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe. Rounding a corner, Peter pauses. They were just messing with him, of course. They knew he couldn't go along. And worse, they really didn't want him to. It hurts. Angrily, Peter slams his fist into a solid concrete pillar, chipping at a bull-sized chunk of concrete. He then realizes what he's done. Good thing no one's in sight. And boy, his fist hurts. He walks away, shaking out his hand. Later that evening, Peter arrives at his Aunt May's house. Hey, Aunt May. Peter. What's wrong? It's nothing, me. I can see through you, you know. Peter, you really need to start worrying less about me and get out there and have fun. As sincere as Aunt May is, she loves Peter like a son and can't see enough of him. He never knew his real parents. She and her husband Ben were all that he had. After all, besides, she's in her 70s, her health is failing, and she really needs him. And furthermore, she worries a lot about him. She knows he's sort of mild-mannered and timid. After dinner, Peter is going over the bills and bank statements, while May reads the paper. Looks like the federal investigators are closing in on the guy known only as the Kingpin who supposedly is the leader of organized crime in the U.S. Peter is oblivious to what Aunt May is saying. He's worried. They need money. A short time later, Peter emerges from the subway portal at 23rd and 8th, making sure he's not seen. He ducks into an alleyway, pulls his shoes off, and carries them as he runs up the wall to the roof. In a dark corner on the roof, he pulls his Spider-Man costume from his bag and begins to change. Carefully, he checks his web shooters and his belt, which holds spare web fluid cartridges, his mini camera, and his compact spider signal. Stashing his regular clothes inside the tote bag, he hides it in a corner of the rooftop. Then, he 
walks to the rooftop edge, six stories above the ground, and leaps into space. Firing his web at a nearby building, he converts his plunge towards the pavement into a graceful arc at the end of a silken strand. And once again, Spider-Man swings into action. He swings between buildings on web lines, leaps from building to building, and scampers across the sides of buildings. He covers an enormous amount of territory in a short span of time, and does so easily and effortlessly. He's hunting. Finally, something below catches his eye. A group of men are loading drums of chemicals from a supply house onto a truck. Spider-Man carefully arranges and focuses his automatic camera near the event, webbing it into place on a ledge. Then, he lunges towards the robbers. The crooks are scared out of their minds. How would anyone feel if a terrifying, seemingly inhuman figure swept down upon them out of the night? Though the crooks are heavily armed, Spider-Man, using his strength, agility, and speed, acrobatically clobbers them. During the fight, his spider sense, which alerts him to danger, even though it may be out of sight, warns him of attacks from behind. Spider-Man is victorious as he overcomes and subdues the group of thugs. The police arrive. Naturally, they're almost as spooked by Spider-Man as the crooks were. They try to bring him in for questioning as well, but he easily slips away. Spider-Man retreats to his apartment and develops the photos in his large closet, using it as a darkroom. He's quite pleased with the outcome of the photos he took of the fight. The robbery spoiled by Spider-Man was part of a huge scheme, Operation Z. Operation Z is headed up by the Kingpin, a huge man who appeared to be fat, but solid like a sumo wrestler. The Kingpin is at his headquarters, which is a fortress-like complex in the basements and sub-basements underneath a huge waterfront Manhattan building. Wearing classy evening clothes, Kingpin speaks to his chief lieutenant and head assassin. Spider-Man's interference was minor, but the timing is critical. No more interference. Bullseye, make sure that Spider-Man doesn't cause us any more trouble. Bullseye, a vicious looking guy who wears dark clothes with a sort of military cut, including a black leather bike jacket, smiles wickedly, pleased with his assignment. As the Kingpin leaves his headquarters, a chauffeured Rolls awaits outside the building. In the back sits Vanessa, the Kingpin's beautiful wife. Vanessa, I'm so sorry for having to attend business at this hour. You know that I love you, but not what you do. I promise this operation is the last. It's so big that there will never again be anything worth trying for. Vanessa, I promise. Okay. The next morning, 
Peter Parker enters the giant Daily Bugle building. He successfully sells his photos to editor-in-chief and publisher, J. Jonah Jameson, for what seems to be a fabulous sum. Though, clearly, it's half of what they're worth. Jameson is cheap and petty and not very nice, though he's a heck of an editor. He takes advantage of Parker's quiet nature. He belittles, berates, and abuses Parker. His hatred of costume vigilantes like Spider-Man is evident, too. And Parker, before you go... Yes, sir? Try to get some photos related to the Kingpin. As you know, the Bugle is at the forefront of the investigations to expose that crime lord. Uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. A short time later, Peter is in line at the bank. The money from the pictures will ease the financial crisis for a while. And for once, Peter will have a few bucks in his pocket. In line behind him stands a beautiful woman about Peter's age. Suddenly, his spider sense starts to tingle. He looks around and suddenly, he finds himself face to face with the beautiful girl behind him. He just stares, stunned by her beauty. Did I step on your foot or something? Uh, no, sorry. I, I, thought I, I thought I heard someone call my name. Then, Peter notices the real source of the tingles. A couple of large, nasty-looking guys hanging around, looking for a victim to mug. After finishing up the teller's window, Peter walks to the back of the bank and observes the suspicious men. He sees them follow the pretty girl out of the bank. Outside, the two guys close in on the girl on a lonely street. When she realizes what's happening, she's terrified. Meanwhile, Peter, out of sight of the muggers, rips a two-by-four off of a boarded-up storefront with his bare hands. Then, brandishing it like a club, rushes at the muggers. Hey! Hey! Leave her alone! One look at this maniac to the rescue convinces them, and the muggers take off. Thank you so much. Ah, don't mention it. I'm Lynn. What's your name? I'm, uh, I'm Peter. Can I buy you a coffee, Peter? Or maybe lunch? Oh, sure. I wouldn't say no to that. Uh, just let me, uh, make a phone call real quick. Oh, sure. Lynn stands nearby as Peter calls Aunt May from a payphone. He had plans to visit her for lunch, but he can't pass up this opportunity. Besides, she's been encouraging him to get out more anyways. Aunt May, hey, uh, listen, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm not going to make it for lunch today. I'm really sorry. Is everything okay? Yeah, no, everything's fine. Are you dressed warmly enough? It's cold out. Yeah, I'm just fine. Everything is fine. Don't worry, Aunt May. After listening in on their conversation, Lynn wonders what she's getting herself into and quietly slips away, accidentally dropping her silk scarf as she does. Peter suddenly notices that his date is gone and sees the scarf. He picks it up, considers throwing it away and heading home, but instead pursues Lynn. As he starts to run after her, he gets angry, and the anger makes him determined and reckless. 
he races up a building wall about 30 feet, clinging mostly with his hands to avoid taking off his shoes. From that vantage point, he spots her. He leaps down and races along the street, evading cars and pedestrians with spider-like agility. His speed and the general obliviousness of New Yorkers protects his identity. Not that he cares at the moment. At Third Avenue, the light is against him. He pauses for a moment. There's no one close by. Then leaps the avenue in a single standing broad jump. He sees Lynn boarding an uptown bus. Too late to board it himself. So he leaps on top and clanks. Later, when Lynn steps off the bus on the Upper East Side, she's astonished to find Peter waiting there near the stop. She's flabbergasted. Peter hands her the scarf. He really doesn't know what else to do or say, as he didn't plan this very well. Uh, I'll, I'll go now. Wait, let's get that coffee. Peter and Lynn hit it off right away and begin dating. It turns out that Peter is not a nerd or a mama's boy. He's charming, witty, attentive, and generally a terrific guy. Lynn is from a different world. Upper middle class, never a worry, always the best of everything. But she's terrific too. Before long, they fall in love. There is one thing that mystifies Lynn, however. Peter, I'm just astounded at how strong you are. You have the body of an Olympic gymnast. Why haven't you gone into sports? You'd be amazing. Yeah, well, I've always been good at science and math. Besides, Aunt May and Uncle Ben, they always wanted me to become a scientist or cure cancer or something. Meanwhile, news continues to circulate around town about the end of the crime empire of the mysterious kingpin, and more reports surface of strange robberies of chemicals and chemical supplies. Peter Parker, however, has other things on his mind, until he starts running low on cash. It's time to take some more photos. But he has so little time lately, with a girlfriend, Aunt May, and school. Early one evening, he goes out as Spider-Man. It's Lynn's birthday, and he's due at her place in a couple of hours. But maybe he'll get lucky. Almost two hours later, he does get lucky. He spots a crew of armed men loading trucks at a waterfront warehouse. Quickly, he sets up his camera and swoops in. However, it's a trap. Bullseye and his men have been lying in wait at every kingpin operation for weeks, hoping Spider-Man would show. And at last, he has. There are a dozen men with automatic weapons. In addition, the thugs who are actually robbing the place. Spider-Man Spider-Sense saves his life as he senses something is up, which enables him to dodge the first rain of gunfire. Spider-Man is an almost impossible target with his speed, agility, reflexes, and his uncanny danger sense. Even against these incredible odds, he's winning. But Bullseye's men are well-trained. They don't fire at Spider-Man. They fire in patterns, cutting him off, restricting his movements. Still, Spider-Man is winning, knocking out whole groups of men by hurling huge crates at them, dodging and leaping, webbing attackers, 
But Bullseye is the greatest marksman that ever lived. And finally, with the help of his men, who limit Spider-Man's space, he wings Spider-Man. Bullseye isn't firing a regular gun. Instead, it's the type of gun that fires hypodermic darts. He knew his odds of hitting Spider-Man at all were slim, so he made certain that any hit was a kill. The dart is full of deadly nerve poison. After being hit, Spider-Man dashes over a semi-trailer and escapes. Peter examines his wounds. It's small. He finds the dart and realizes he's been poisoned. He retrieves his camera and his dizziness starts to set in. He heads home. Bullseye knows he hit Spider-Man, but did he receive a fatal dose? Bullseye is dumbfounded as he reports to Kingpin. He should have dropped immediately, boss, given the strength and concentration of the poison. Just what kind of man is he? Stake out every emergency room in the city, just in case. Spider-Man is weary and travels very slowly. It takes him hours to cross town, carefully crawling across web lines from rooftop to rooftop. He's too weak and dizzy to try anything else. He knows he's dying. Where can he go? Where can he turn to for help? There's only one answer. Later, he knocks on Lynn's apartment door. Lynn. Lynn, please open up. However, bitterly disappointed over being stood up on her birthday, she won't even acknowledge him. Lynn, please, I, I, I'm hurting. I, I, I think I'm dying. Lynn thinks he's faking and ignores him. Peter is shattered and limps away. A short time later, Spider-Man staggers into an emergency room at Lennox Hill. I'm hurt. I, I need help. One of the Bullseye's men is there waiting and heads for the phone. Spider-Man quickly realizes what's going on. And furthermore, the police are coming. They'll surely unmask him and ruin everything. He breaks through the now-crowded area and pushes his way outside, where he escapes up the wall. Hours later, it's 4 a.m., and Spider-Man watches from the shadows of a nearby building as a doctor leaves the hospital, about to head home. Still in agony, and still holding on by a thread, he nonetheless quietly sticks to the trunk of the doctor's car and rides along. At the doctor's home, he confronts and threatens him. Treat me. S- save me. I Don't try anything. I'll-, I'll be watching everything you do. And with that, he collapses. Sixteen hours later, Spider-Man awakens on the doctor's couch. His shirt is off, and his mask is still in place. What, what happened? Apparently, you were shot with a nerve toxin that I had no antidote for. All I did was keep you warm and comfortable. It seems your incredible metabolism was able to overcome the toxin by itself. 
That dog should have killed you. You're something special, young man. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. That, thanks, Doc. Spider-Man leaves and is especially grateful that the doctor didn't remove his mask. However, after he leaves, the doctor opens a drawer and pulls out a Polaroid of Peter Parker's face, which he took while Peter was unconscious. He admires the photo. He, of course, has no idea who this person is, nor does he know anything about him. He also has no intention of doing anything with it. It's merely a souvenir. A short time later, Peter is once again knocking on Lynn's apartment door. But still, she won't let him in. Peter forces the door open. Peter, what are you doing? Lynn, uh, listen to me. There's uh, something I have to tell you uh, about me. Um, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. Peter explains everything to her. The spider bite, the mysterious powers, going out and stopping crime. Lynn is absolutely stunned, but then makes an admission of her own. Peter, I... I was so upset about being stood up on my birthday. I I, I know, I, I'm sorry. I, but not just because it was my birthday, but because... Peter, I was going to propose to you. What? what are you serious? But, but all that's changed now, right? Now that you know about Spider-Man. No, that changes nothing. Peter... Can I have your strong hand in marriage? <laughs> yes, yes. Back at Kingpin's headquarters, the crime boss is enjoying his daily workout. Clad in a sumo wrestler's loincloth, he is circled by a dozen large, strong-looking men in karate uniforms. They attack in groups. The kingpin easily clobbers them. When he's done, he speaks with Bullseye. Kingpin, you're worried. If Spider-Man survived, he now has a clue to Operation Z. You were reckless to use the Z-toxin. I'm telling you, boss. Spider-Man is dead. Then where's the body? As far as I'm concerned, you failed! If you want to make this right, then I suggest that you hunt him down. Start looking for leads at the emergency room at Lennox Hill. You got it, boss. Kingpin heads to his office to find his wife, Vanessa, waiting for him. Vanessa? I'm worried. I want us to leave the country together, now. Baby, I can't. Fine. Then here's the ultimatum. I love you, but tonight I'll be on a plane. If you're not there with me, then you'll never see me again. Baby, please, just, just give me some time. No. I've given you enough time. Tonight, I'm leaving the country. The kingpin stays. He is determined. He must finish this. Meanwhile, Peter is developing his photos from the other night, as Lynn observes. Sadly, those shots are worthless now. 
No one wants old news. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I'm just, I'm just intrigued. Like it's starting to come together. The Kingpin's men stealing chemicals. Me being shot with a nerve toxin, to which there is apparently no antidote for. I, I gotta investigate this as Spider-Man. You're crazy. How could you say that? I just don't understand why you do what you do. Why lurk around at night risking your life to solve photos for what? Peanuts? If you want to make a living, why don't you let the cops do their job and use your abilities in more reasonable ways? Sports, for instance? You could win the entire Olympics, every event, single-handedly if you wanted. But forget that. That doesn't pay. You could be a boxing champion, or a football star, or a basketball player. What? I don't even know the first thing about basketball. Someone who can jump 30 feet doesn't need to know much. Look, you owe it to yourself. And Aunt May. A couple years of playing professional sports could set you up for life. Then you could go on to get your degrees, cure cancer, and rescue cats from trees or other safe, do-gooder things. The next thing you know, Peter is trying out for the New York Knicks. Lynn knows someone who is able to get Peter a tryout. Peter starts off terrible, to say the least. He's purposely holding back, given his incredible abilities. Everyone laughs at him, especially the players. <laughs> Come on, Peter. The object is to put the whittle ball in the whittle basket. <laughs> Now, Peter is mad. He gives in. He takes an incredible leap and stuffs the ball through the hoop. Then, he does it again and again. He even does it while other players guard him. And he does it with ease, using his spidey sense to duck, dive, and dodge all defenses before making another impressive slam dunk. He catches on quick, too quicker than he thought he would. Later, they sign him and give him a big cash bonus. Lynn and Peter leave ecstatic and head to Aunt May's house to tell her the news. Aunt May tries to hide it, but clearly she's crushed. Later, at Peter's place, Peter's having second thoughts too. Lynn, I don't want to quit school and play basketball. I don't want to give up my research and my studies. And there's this kingpin thing. Peter. I I, I can't get out of my mind. I feel guilty about it. I, I can't do it. Peter, you can. You can do this. I saw you on that basketball court. Don't waste your life with this Spider-Man nonsense. But this is what I am. I am Spider-Man. Peter, you either give up this Spider-Man crap or I'm gone. Peter is torn. His eyes came to rest on the microscope, and it's decided. Lynn storms off, leaving Peter brokenhearted. Dear Spider-Man, if you ever want to see your aunt and fiancé alive again 
Then you better come to this address in an hour. Meanwhile, Bullseye delivers May and Lin to Kingpin at his headquarters. Good work, Bullseye. It wasn't easy finding out who Spider-Man was. I went to the hospital, like you said. Found the doctor. Turns out he had a picture of the guy. I spent thousands of man-hours searching until I finally spotted his photo in the sports page as a New York Knicks free agent. Can you believe that? Then, it was easy to kidnap his loved ones. Barbaric. I love it. Kingpin is hospitable towards the ladies. He offers them tea, which May accepts. She's not quite certain what's going on here, but she thinks the Kingpin is a charming gentleman. Bullseye, meanwhile, heads for the meeting place, which is an old industrial building in Tribeca. When Spider-Man arrives, his spider sense warns him of a trap awaiting him. He rips his way in behind Bullseye and all of his men and grabs Bullseye by the neck. Let them go, now, or I'll snap your neck like a twig. Bullseye points to a closed-circuit TV, which shows the two ladies tied up in a room somewhere. Listen to me, Spider-Freak. You can't kill me. If you do, you and your pretty little girlfriend are good as dead. Because if you do kill me, one of my men will give the order. And... Good night, ladies. What's the deal? Hey, my orders were merely to keep you out of the way during Operation Z. I tell you what, I can see that you'd vault behind you. Let me lock you in there, and I'll have the ladies released. What do you say? Deal? Okay. Spider-Man lets Bullseye go and backs into a huge vault. Inside is another closed-circuit TV, so Spider-Man can see May and Lin being released. All right, man, close the vault. You're a fool, Spider-Man. All right, men, kill him. Then, Spider-Man watches May and Lin, machine gun down, on the small screen. The vault then begins to fill with a deadly nerve gas, enough this time to kill even Spider-Man. What Spider-Man doesn't know is that the ladies on the screen were just dummies. This is just a sadistic, vengeful play of bullseyes. The real Aunt May and Lynn are having tea with the Kingpin. Enraged beyond belief, his heart screaming for revenge, Spider-Man batters at the vault door begins to buckle. Bullseye, realizing his sadistic plan has backfired, concentrates his men's weapon on the rapidly buckling vault door. They've got to drop him when that door falls. But it doesn't fall. Spider-Man uses it like a shield and bowls over the gunman that proceeds to clobber them. Bullseye slips away. Spider-Man demands that the last conscious gunman Tell him where Kingpin's hideout is. He won't talk. Spider-Man takes him up 15 stories 
and dangles him, threatening to drop him. He talks. They're at the Kingpin's headquarters. These lowlifes will pay for killing Aunt May and my love. If only I had been true to my responsibilities. If I had pursued the Kingpin as I knew I should have, May and Lynn would still be alive. I let my selfish interests distract me. And it cost me two loved ones. Just like it cost me Uncle Ben long ago. Back at Kingpin's headquarters, a huge blimp has moored to the roof. Spider-Man thinks at last that he knows the Kingpin's plan. He burst into the headquarters like a madman, smashing anything that moves. Meanwhile, in another room, Kingpin still entertains the ladies while the blimp is being loaded. He's frank and honest about his plan. That blimp is going to dust Manhattan with my nerve poison, which will slowly kill everyone exposed to it. Then the blimp will transport me to a submarine waiting off the coast. And then the U.S. will deposit $10 billion into a Liechtenstein account. Or within three days, 11 million people will die. You're a monster. I don't understand. Ah, you see, I have to do this. This is just my line of work, and this particular scam is my masterpiece. The money doesn't matter. I simply must do this. Though it may have lost me, my beloved wife, I will find her and make it all up to her. The parallel between Kingpin's and Peter's situation isn't lost on Lynn. Suddenly, the Kingpin is called away. Lynn hears the name Spider-Man mentioned, and her heart leaps. Kingpin locks them in. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is battling hordes of Kingpin's men and clobbering them. The Kingpin arrives, and seeing him, Spider-Man cuts through the guards and takes the fight to Kingpin himself. It's not an easy fight. The Kingpin is very strong, and he grabs up a huge pair of nunchucks, which equalize things a bit. Still, Spider-Man, who is full of rage, is winning, convincingly. Bullseye arrives, and seeing Kingpin and Spider-Man grappling, sees an opportunity to rid himself of both. He seizes a machine gun, warned by his spider sense. However, Spider-Man breaks free of Kingpin at the last instant and webs up Bullseye's gun, allowing him to only get off a few near-miss shots. Kingpin takes the opportunity of Spider-Man's back being turned to whack him with the nunchucks, stunning him. Then, Kingpin knocks out a support pillar, which brings a huge part of the concrete structure down to Spider-Man, apparently crushing him. Bullseye! It's not what it looks like, boss. You gotta believe me. But I don't believe. Then, Kingpin murders Bullseye with his bare hands. Kingpin looks around his fortress, factory, and headquarters. It's in dismay. Wreckage is everywhere. Fires have started, and they're spreading. The blimp is almost loaded. If they hurry, 
they can still pull off the plan. What about the girls, Kingpin? Leave them! We have no room! They may be troublesome! Kingpin hurries to the blimp to carry out his plan. Meanwhile, Spider-Man struggles underneath 15 tons of concrete. It didn't land directly on him. If it had, he would have been crushed, but he is pinned under it. The fire is spreading. The smoke is beginning to seep into May and Lynn's room. Spider-Man struggles to lift the weight on his back, but he can't. He hears Aunt May and Lynn screaming. They're still alive! History hasn't repeated itself yet. He has a chance to redeem himself. He strains. He forces the aching muscles to respond. He strains again, and the mass crushing down upon him shifts slightly. He strains and struggles, seemingly for hours. It is more an effort of will than of the flesh. Finally, with the last desperate heave, he frees himself. Staggering through the smoke and fire, he reaches the locked room in which May and Lynn are trapped and ignoring his pain and fatigue, rips the door off. Moments later, he brings them outside, coughing and gasping for air. He's exhausted. Above, he sees the Kingpin's blimp moving away from the building. What about Kingpin? I, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to get you guys to safety. No, you've got to stop the Kingpin. May has lost her glasses and really hasn't the slightest clue of what's happening. Spider-Man looks up, looks at Lynn, and then springs to the wall of the building. He races up the side, leaping from building to building, pursuing the airship, until, with a mighty leap, he gets close enough to snag it with his webbing. Moments later, he bursts into the crash and battles the kingpin. Spider-Man is winning in spectacular fashion, but during the fight, the gas seals are ruptured, and the ship is descending. Kingpin tries a last desperate gamble. He manages to reach the poison dumping control. Do it, Spider-Man! Open the switch! I'll drop the poison! Unless you dive out right now! But Spider-Man is no fool. He knows that if he did, Kingpin would dump the poison anyway. Without the weight of the poison, Kingpin could complete his escape and his plan. Spider-Man closes in on Kingpin as he pulls the switch. Nothing happens. Unbeknownst to Kingpin, Spider-Man whipped the bomb bay doors shut before he breached the airship. Spider-Man and Kingpin grapple as the blimp continues to violently descend. The blimp crashes into the sea. Only Spider-Man surfaces and swims to shore as Coast Guard vessels swarm the scene. Later, Aunt May is fine, though confused. What 
whatever happened to that nice man who was entertaining us? Meanwhile, Peter and Lynn retreat to his place and talk. Peter, your secret life is safe with me, and it seems everyone else who knows your identity is gone. That's good, that's good, but will you still see me? Of course, Peter. I'm madly in love with you. No, we won't rush into marriage. I'll wait until you finish school and you're ready to settle down. And Spider-Man? I won't ask you to stop being Spider-Man. There are some things a man has to do. I love you, Peter. I love you too, Lynn. Hmm, I'll get that. Oh, uh, hey guys. Hi. Peter! Where the heck were you while we were losing to Philly last night, huh? And why weren't you at practice? Well, uh, it was, um... Well, the thing was, I I just, uh... Well, I... Come on. You're coming with us. What's it? Guys, stop! Stop! I, uh, uh, I changed, changed my mind! I can't, I can't... I can't... You don't understand. I'm... I'm... 